thank you so much for joining us on the on the road less traveled this is a series that game your story and network capital has has started to talk to interesting people like you who've had a not just uh, not a regular journey right and hopefully through understanding your journey be able to convey to people who are perhaps thinking of being entrepreneurs or haven't yet thought about being entrepreneurs to try something new something different and to be entrepreneurial so thank you so much for taking the time out to do this you're most welcome i'm uh, delighted to be part of this um, i'm going to uh start with uh, the first question i ask all guests uh, prakash and and that really is to look back at the very beginning to the early signs of prakash's entrepreneurial journey feel free to start at the point that you think was the right entrepreneurial start for you so over to you to really take us back in time so i'll just give you uh, so i'm almost 60 years old okay so i have a lot of ground to cover good that's what we want so i grew up in a business family in nagpur and my family uh, had migrated from uh, my parents had migrated from pakistan so clearly they uh, started as uh, they came in as refugees and started uh, uh, with whatever they had but they built a very good nice business mid sized business predominantly we were in the business of construction uh, trucking transport and uh, liquor okay. oh, interesting traditional, combination <laughs> traditional businesses okay. and as with any uh, business family uh, when you are growing up although i was you know while in school college this that you just go kind of work in the business during summers this that okay so uh, everybody in the family uh, was in the business my brothers eventually got into the business so i was the only one i went to engineering school in nagpur and i was the only one who uh, uh, ended up going to us mm. to do masters so that's what i did i went to us and you know that normal stuff and uh, i ended up working there uh, because what happens is Uh, and i'm talking now early 80s mm. so obviously the world was different than it is today in terms of awareness of what is us what is the world this that uh, i mean i remember I, i just want to stop you for a second here to ask you that decision to go to the us was that what everybody did or was that something you said hey i want to go there my job prospects are going to be better so so it was two things one is definitely everybody did second is uh honestly i had the luxury of not necessarily having to to jump and go start working okay as soon as i graduated okay okay and uh, but nobody in my family had ever traveled anywhere outside the country nobody had a passport Okay. okay so so anyway you know i uh, i ended up in us and uh, so what happens then just like most things in life uh, you know as long as you don't have it you think there is some some magic going to happen as soon as you're going to get it right and then once you get it you are like oh <laughs> now what <laughs> so 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 clearly, I, I I went to US. I did my masters, and I US masters is like a year maximum. So by nine months to one year, I was I was done. And then then I I clearly remember thinking that uh, you know if I go back, I I definitely don't know any more than what I knew a year ago. Okay. right i mean you had another degree but that doesn't necessarily mean that you uh, gain knowledge mentally no or significantly uh, your knowledge is significantly more than what you did a year ago so i said you know what now i think i should i i should work here before i go back and us is a very seductive lifestyle 
So you kind of get sucked into it. Mm. But everything works. And it's easy in a sense. Right? Everything works. And uh, relative to, you know, the India of 80s, early 80s, right? And growing up in the 70s and 60s, uh, I mean, it was a, just a different world. It was kind of hassle-free. And you had the freedom. And uh, so <clears throat> I ended up staying there 14 years. Okay. Along the way, I got married. I had two kids. But inherently in my head, I always, I mean, entrepreneur is not the word we used back then. But uh, for me, I'm a businessman. Mm. Okay. I had a business background and I had this thing to, you just, that I have to run my own business. It doesn't matter what it is, whether I'm selling shoes or whether I'm building buildings, it just didn't matter to me. Now, I'm not an IT guy. Mm. So in US, you heard all these massive success stories of uh, Indians going there, IT entrepreneurs making billions of dollars, right? Now, for a guy like me, I could only think of traditional businesses. So traditional business generally involves some type of trading. You buy something at X, you sell it at Y. Mm. So whether it is a grocery store or you open a gas station or whether you... Uh, now for a construction company, to start a construction company in US is very different dynamics. So if you start a, to, to start a big company, you need capital. But to start a small company, you almost have to be a handyman. Mm, that is true. Because you couldn't afford to hire all the skilled workers because labor is so expensive. Yeah. So then I would do some consulting on the side, some this, that. I did a few things. But uh, never really had the ability to go really start a new business uh, for whatever. Uh, at scale and for usual reasons. You know, you have a job, you're working, you have family, this, that. Now, uh, in 1997, so I went in 83, 97, this is 14 years. So from 83 to 97, now I was married with two kids. Mm. So there's responsibility. I was 36 years old. Yeah. And uh, so an opportunity came up. And the opportunity was, uh, you know, Bangalore, uh, there's a company, Microland, yeah. very uh, well-known company. Uh, Pradeep Kar, close friend of mine, we uh, went to college together. So he was visiting uh, US for his business and, uh, and he had multiple companies. So he was starting one company that mm -hmm. was going to focus on that time they called it internet media company. And in a simplistic terms, it was basically going to organize internet focused trade shows. Internet mm. was new and there was this brand called internet world. Yeah, I've heard of them. Okay, so internet world was a, a brand in US. They had formed a joint venture with them and they were going to launch Internet World in India. So he said, why don't you come back to India and run that business? I mean, he said that and I said, okay. Was, is... was it really as simple as that? I yes. mean, after 14 years, you were ready to make that move with that so, conversation. So, so uh, I'll, I'll give you a little context for that, okay? So he said, why don't you come and run it? I said, okay. That was March of 1997. June of 1997, 1997 I was in India. Mm. Okay. And uh, all my friends, everybody said, you know, what the hell are you doing? Okay, you have no clue, this, that. You have no idea of the business. And uh, even uh, my wife said, 
don't you think we should go make a trip and check it out so i told her that uh, you know in in 1997 uh, i was 36 years old right and i had been married 8 years so i said everybody we know except for maybe maximum 100 people a few hundred people who live here everybody we know lives in india mm. so what is there to check out now now if we were moving because we said no india is where we want to live and uh, uh, so then just from a, a living perspective you go check it out relative to where you are whether that's the right decision or not so i actually made it simple to rationalize okay so i said we are not moving because we don't like us and we want to move to india but we are moving because i think i have better opportunities there okay financially i was going to make 10% of the money that i was making in us in 1997 or maybe so 20, it was so it 20, was it was a risk it was a risk. yeah okay and uh, uh, but but honestly i did zero evaluation zero so you were following your gut prakash so no so my uh, thinking is so it served my immediate objective immediate objective was i want to run my own company yeah okay i want to run my own business okay now beyond that i think if you kind of over analyze anything you'll never do it absolutely so on paper if i had analyzed it 110% i wouldn't have done in fact i have uh, my boss i used to work for a very large construction company at that time and i called and told him that uh, i want to quit and i'm going to india so he basically said no 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 what are you doing so essentially as usual like any other uh, employer he offered me more money mm -hmm. so that i could stay so i, I told him you don't understand i'm taking a 80% cut in pay to go so so this is not about money it is about an opportunity that has come up that i think i should pursue mm. so he said finally he agreed and he basically said okay you go on one condition if you decide to come back you call me okay so you okay. had a <laughs> so i said okay fair enough so that's really what was the decision making process so to this day i firmly believe that if you want to be an entrepreneur the key one of the key traits you need is you have to be ignorant <laughs> if you if you are not ignorant very high chances you are not going to do it and i'm presuming when you say ignorant you mean ignorant and willing to learn so you come in with so a ignorant in the sense that if you uh, evaluate in detail or oh, prima facie obviously you have to yeah no it makes sense but if you now go back and say well i don't know this i don't know what internet means i don't know what media means you know i've never done this before so how will it work let me go analyze it what is this that whatever you management teaches you to do swot analysis this <laughs> analysis that analysis done never do it i have a i have never done swot analysis on anything okay so so i ended up here and we uh, 
it was honestly the best way I could have come back and got into uh, some type of a leadership role. I had never worked in India. Even if I had worked, I had worked in uh, a small family owned business. And uh, in 14 years, India had changed. Yeah. Between 80s or late 80s and 90s, where a lot of the uh, liberalization and this that happened. And 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 that really nicely segues into what I want to move to. It's 1997, a more liberalized India. Uh, Prakash is 36 years old with two children, quits a high-paying high job to be entrepreneurial in India. What were those early days of coming back like? So early days, uh, uh, I mean, quickly the family got settled. So that was not really a uh, challenge, a big challenge. Uh, and the support system that I had uh, of Microland and the company and everything clearly made it very easy. Okay. Uh, the hard part was when I got into the business, I mean, I realized I had no clue what this business was about. Okay. But I have always believed and that I think helped me. Uh, I think 90% of most businesses are common sense. Mm. Okay. I mean, it is not rocket science. Nothing is rocket science except rocket science. Exactly. Prakash, you, you say exactly what I believe and I'm glad you're calling it out. So, ultimately, if you look at any business, you have a product, you have a service, you, hopefully, there is a customer for that product or service. It costs you X, you sell it for Y, and you make money. And that's it. So now whether I go back, whether you are selling software, you are uh, designing, you know, space shuttle, or you're uh, running a call center. Ultimately, it's very, very simple. So, so I had to figure out very quickly that I have to, what am I selling? I'm selling this trade show. Mm. Okay, we had to host, uh, organize a show in Pragati Maidan, and we had to get exhibitors. There was a conference, speakers, this, that. So, so uh, I mean, I had a lot of help, but uh, one decision I made, which I think helped me, is for the first year of the business, I did not recruit a sales team, a sales guy, head of sales. We had a sales team. And I went back and basically almost made every presentation mm -hmm. to people I had never met, talk about an industry I had no clue. But this is 1997. Okay. So what, uh, you know, in Hindi, in Hindi, there's a saying that says, Andho uh, Kana Raja. Yes. Okay. So what happens is if you were in US in the 80s and 90s, you had more access to internet than most people in the world, especially in say India. Yeah. Right. So in India, a lot of people had just heard of it. There as a user, you had experience. So I remember back in uh, 94, uh, whatever, 94, 95, whatever, I used to have America Online dial-up at home. Mm -hmm. So email, this, that. So I had no idea from a technology perspective what... But, uh, but there was comfort and therefore in the land of the blind, you were the one-eyed man. Exactly. So, so it worked. I went, met a lot of people learned a lot of things they were doing and everybody was kind of just starting off and uh, the top uh, portal that time was Rediff. 
Mm. Okay. So I almost met everybody who had anything to do with internet. Okay. So that's a, a, a quickly before you carry on, because I like to highlight some points that come out through these conversations. There's a lesson in what you just said. There's nothing like getting your hands dirty and understanding your business yourself before you start employing people and right in your so, decision to go out there and do your sales yourself. So, so, so uh, clearly now uh, from a customer perspective and selling perspective, that is hundred percent true. Hmm. But if I'm in a business where I'm selling something that is highly technical, then clearly I need people. Yeah. Who would, right? So that I couldn't have just winged it. Absolutely. Somebody had to go explain uh, to that. So uh, I, I'll give you one story just on that. Please. So after this happened, and then I decided uh, to do something else. Uh, and the primary reason to do something else was because very quickly I realized this the market size was very small. Mm. Okay, so again, the learning is that if you are in an industry which inherently is very small, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how successful you are, your growth will be only limited to the size of the industry. So, so a good example is, you know, years, for years, India had only one airline. Mm. So if you were in the airline business, I mean, you'll grow up to a point and then you are stuck. Yeah. For the longest time, India had two five-star brands, Oberoi's and Taj. Because so the market were, size at that point was small. So if you worked for Oberoi, then you became GM of something and then you were maybe very bright 35 year old GM. Now you are a 65 year old GM. <laughs> yeah. So, so I said, I need to get into something where the market opportunity is bigger. And, uh, and I, I, uh, and I, and, and I decided that if I am not able to figure it out, I'll just pack my bags and go back. Okay. But I really wanted to give it another shot. Mm. I mean, I would have been very, very, I would say disappointed if I had actually packed my bags and gone back without giving it another shot. Okay. So, uh, so that time in two, uh, 1999, there was some uh, NASCOM McKinsey report. Mm. That talked, uh, I think they call it some IT, ITES. That time there was no BPO word. They call it ITES, IT enabled services. Yes. So I remember paying somebody the uh, whatever attendance fee mm. for that conference to say, why don't you go attend this in Delhi or the person was writing in Delhi. I said, I'll pay you this. And uh, then, so they, they published a book. Okay. I said, get that book and send it to me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that time, those years were not that NASCAM would upload it on their website and this, that for everybody to download. So that gave me an idea. Uh, again, I go back, I'm not a techie so i couldn't think of software this that so this at least conceptually sounded much simpler that uh, uh, whole world is going to uh, only now communicate on email mm -hmm. okay so we can sit in india we don't have accent problem we know english we can train people and they can respond to emails all day so we said we will start one what is called as ECRM company. Okay. So I had a group of people, some uh, four five people that I had met uh, during my whatever, and uh, they we all decided that we will start it together. 
okay so i remember uh, we were sitting and uh, i was going to travel to us to meet some investors possibly for fundraising and uh, so i have never made a presentation in my life i don't know how to use powerpoint okay but i had these guys some of them are very good at it so we were preparing this presentation and there was uh, uh, this very fancy chart and uh, and it was an animated chart where you could press a button and then one arrow will come then some box will come then this that so my job so we are going through the presentation my job was to use that presentation go pitch it to investors so there was one very nice looking chart colorful so and it's uh, these guys were telling me well you know we need 2 million dollars i said why do we need 2 million dollars they said you know million dollars we have to do this buy this buy that all this tech equipment and there was this one box which said acd mm -hmm. he said you know that acd itself cost 500000 so i said why the hell do we need that acd but what is it so they said uh, they looked at me because without an acd you cannot run a call center business so that's how clueless i was and i'm telling them why the hell do we need it and these guys are looking like <laughs> this guy is going to raise money we going to go and convince somebody to say you know we are going to do this business yeah and, uh, so uh, i mean cut a long story short yeah we ended up go raising capital and starting a company and that company is 24/7 customer lovely we built a good company but for whatever reason things didn't work so i decided to exit the company and this I was said, for what period of time so this was yeah. april 2000 so i came back june 97 april 2000 24/7 uh december 2001 i exited okay so about little less than 2 years so i said i'll do this again so now you're prakash entering the new millennia so Correct. what do you do in 2001 so i said you know what we'll do this again okay whatever let's just do it again so so there is uh, that time uh chris capital was a new yes company okay and uh, uh so they i met them and i said uh, i want to do this again can you uh, fund me so they said you know we are happy to look at it we like you this that but by the way we had already funded this company called crossworks in bombay and we are doing a ceo search so why don't you take a look and if it works for you let's see if we can do that and uh, if not we can talk but what was the idea what were you looking to do you moved so the idea was the same thing 24/7 was 24 a bpo company and i said we'll just start another one okay so so i went to bombay uh, transworks was headquartered in bombay started by two uh, very uh, bright guys iit mit guys okay mm. and uh, uh so they interviewed me and uh, so we met i think the interview i think we met uh, across two days i think so i looked at the company company was small company nice company good people uh that time company was uh, make, uh, uh, the revenues were 200000 a month and the company was losing 100000 a month mm company had a million dollars in the bank mm and half a million of capex committed so there was money to run the business for 6 months unless new capital got raised okay and uh, so uh, after the interview and whatever meetings over um 
they asked me if I had any questions. So I said no. So they said, uh, I mean, they were really surprised that I had no questions. So I told them that if I dig deeper into this, I said, Prima Facie, I like that. In my head, I said, it beats doing another startup. Sure. Because if I do another startup, I'll have to go find a place. I'll have to recruit the first. I mean, they had, I think, three, four hundred people. So doesn't matter who you are. It takes you the startup phase of year, year and a half. Uh, you would go through anyway. So I said, if I dig deeper, you'll tell me this problem, that problem. This is the issue. That is the issue. <clears throat> but as soon as I agree to, to join, then all that will become my problem. <laughs> right? So today, it's your problem. At five o'clock, I decide, now I'm the new CEO. At 5.01, that is my problem. True. I said, okay, we'll figure it out. So I'm not here to, so join the company and uh, was with them for almost four years. So 2001, no, 2002, January, I joined them. Mm. 2003, I think July, within a year and a half, we sold the company to Birlas, Aditya Birla Group. Huh. The company had gone from 200,000 a month to million dollars a month. What were your biggest challenges in this, this part of your journey? So biggest challenge there was honestly just customer acquisition. Mm. All I needed to do is get few big accounts and there were a great group of people there to execute, to deliver. And I was fortunate, I was able to, I mean, the timing, this, that, it worked. We were able to get uh, some large accounts. The, uh, the delivery, the base level uh, capabilities were always there. And we just grew it rapidly. And we sold the business to Birlas in July, 18 months later. Sure. Okay. And... Uh, so once we sold, then all of a sudden we are now part of a much larger group. And obviously, you know, Birlas are a traditional group, multi-billion, zillion dollar group. And we were a small company in that scheme. Uh, but they were very keen to enter into this space and, uh, you know, create a large business. So I clearly remember after acquisition, uh, they uh, so the way that organization is structured, there are uh, business managers that handle multiple businesses. So one of the business managers uh, became responsible for this business. So I had to go meet that uh, gentleman. Okay, so very nice guy. He's a good friend of mine. But I'll just tell you my first meeting. Mm. Uh, not first, maybe uh, one of your early meetings. Early meetings where the acquisition was over, and then I was now part of a larger group. So, so I met the gentleman one on one, and he said, "You know, Prakash, we like you. You've done a great job." And uh, that time we had. Uh, I think we had 200 people in 18 months. We had probably 1,500 people. And uh, he said, you know, our vision is to make this uh, 20,000 people company. Okay. And uh, I know you have not run a 20,000 people company, but, uh, but he was kind of give, trying to give me an assurance that, you know, we're not looking for a new CEO. Okay, although you have not run a 20,000 people company, but uh, we, uh, uh, you know, we, we are here to back you. 
So after he was on, I asked him, I said, have you run a 20,000 people company? <laughs> so he was a little quiet. Okay. So I told him when uh, I joined Transfers, it had 400 people. That time I had run a 400 people company because my previous company had about that. I had not run a 500 people company, 600, 700, 800, 1000, 1500. Never mind 20,000, huh? So I said, all I know is I will not wake up one day and I'll have 20,000 people. So I have 1500 people now. Then it'll go to 2000, go to 2500, go to this, go to that. I said, these IT companies today have 50,000 people. I'm sure they didn't wake up one day and realize, oh God, thousand <laughs> people. what do we do with them? That is true. Okay. So I think he got the point. Then he said, no, 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 you know this, that, whatever. Then second thing he told me that uh, you have any problem, you call me. So I told him, I looked at him and I said, I will never call you. So he said, what do you mean? I told him the last time I checked, um, CEO's job is to solve all the problems. So handle them. So I said, I'm not going to call you. I said, if there's a problem, I'll deal with it and close it. Now, if you need to, as part of your job, you need to know what is going on in the company on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, whatever you want to set up is fine. But uh, you're not here a problem for me. Okay. So that is, that set the tone and we enjoyed working with each other. I think when I left Classworks in 2005, uh, we had, I think we had 4,000 people. 4,000, 4,500 people. Wow. Prakash, I want to jump to your venture now. How did that start? How did you begin? Yeah, so that's what I... So, I reached a point in... Uh, uh, what happened in uh, Birla's, they bought everybody's equity. Sure. I, I had told them not to buy my equity. But, uh, you know, they said... We are a big company, this is a rule, this, that. So I had no equity beyond a certain point. I had a, I had a two-year, three-year contract with them after acquisition. So I was back to square one. Mm. So now I'm trying, figuring out what to do. So, so I had a job. I was CEO. I could have stayed there. There was no problem. But... Again, it was uh, something that I felt that now it has become a routine. I need to go do something. So that time in 2005, they opened up uh, real estate for foreign investment. Mm. So now it was kind of interesting that all these years, I, in India, I was in kind of IT business. Okay. So people would always ask me that how the hell you go from construction to IT. Right? Now, 97 to 2005, eight years later, uh, the profile had changed. So people had forgotten that. You had started with construction, started. yeah. So, uh, but when they opened foreign investment, I said, you know what, this will change this business now. So I said, why don't I clean up my old construction resume and see if we can get into this business. So that's what I did. It was just a coincidence that uh, there's a very large company in US called Tishman Spire. They formed a joint venture with ICICI Ventures to invest $700 million in India. And they were looking for a CEO. So one of the guys who was kind of their advisor uh, for their India strategy had met me when I was uh, CEO of Transworks. 
and uh, I didn't know he uh, gave them my name and basically said that this guy because he was very fascinated by my old US construction background okay and later on I met him and he told me and he said his words were he said I can give you only one name I don't know if this guy will uh, do it or not but if he does it then you're done is what the guy said he told me so all of a, I, I remember getting a email in my inbox that I didn't recognize that could have gone into spam okay but the only reason I opened it is it said Tishman there mm. in the subject now the reason I was familiar with the, the word or name Tishman is because when I worked in US Tishman was one of our competitors ah. in the East Coast. Tishman is a large construction company. Although this part of the business was a different part of the family and whatnot, which I later found out. So I looked at that and I said, let me open it. It was an email from a headhunter. They were looking for a CEO for the India business to be based out of London. Mm. So Tishman employee based out of London and uh, then they were going to hire another guy for the joint venture. So anyway, I replied, I interviewed with them, this, that. Um, and they wanted to hire me. I told them, but I will not be in London. So they said, uh, what do you mean? I said, I don't, I said, Maybe I don't get this, but if you're a damn business in India, why the hell I should be in London? Or why should your CEO be in London? So they, in their head, they had a Tishman CEO for India, and then they had a joint venture CEO, because joint venture was with ICICI Ventures. So I said, I'm not going to London, although that sounded more pushy. Yeah. You'll be sitting in London and watching India. So I said, but if this is where all the work is, I, I want to be here. They said, okay, well, if that's the case, then you have to go in uh, interview with ICICI Ventures because they are our JV partner, of course. I said. So I went and interviewed with them and uh, I joined them. So honestly, my goal was that that will help me transition from that industry to this industry. Because eventually you couldn't, uh, the, the idea was to raise capital. Without that, you could, cannot do a real estate business. So I was, uh, I joined them, I was with them, uh, I think uh, little less than a year and a half. And along the way, I uh, uh, met people to start this company and uh, people, people said, nobody will fund you. This, that, finally, uh, Jan 2007, I started this company. I raised $100 million. Wow. Startup capital. And how many people do you employ? So today, uh, the core, uh, uh, I think we have 40 people because a lot of the work is outsourced. Sure. And we are building uh, three fairly large townships, two in Gurgaon and one in uh, uh, Bangalore. And uh, along the way, about two years ago, uh, uh, ILFS was my investor. Two years ago, uh, I raised some capital to buy them out. Very good. Okay. I, I feel your whole journey is there's just so many lessons to be learned, Prakash. Before I segue into our last segment of asking you some questions, I want to touch on some of the aspects you highlighted, right? Which I think are so interesting. You, you spoke about market size being an important influencer, setting up business. You spoke about uh, bias for action 
if you want to do something, go out there and do it and get it done. Um, you spoke about a lot of things being about common sense and how if, if you apply common sense, a lot can get, get done. And lastly, you spoke about the importance of being ignorant, not in a simplistic way, but to be able to start from a blank page and uh, moving ahead. So I think those are really, really interesting lessons I've got. And I'm sure people listening to this conversation will get much more. I want to switch quickly to some of your personal influences. Have you had someone or some people who've inspired you, uh, perhaps just by who they are or entrepreneurs? See, from an from a inspiration perspective, I would, uh, I, I, I think for people you don't know where you, can you hear me? Yes, You're I can here. hear you. Okay, fine. For people you don't know uh, closely, I think the, uh, the correct uh, word in my head is do you, are there people you admire? Sure. Okay. Do you because, because it's, I mean, to get inspired by something you saw or read. Fair is Who do you admire? Who no. do you admire? So, so clearly from a business perspective, there are a lot of people uh, who, uh, who over the years you, uh, you admire, right? And, uh, uh, and that also changes, right? Because, you know, uh, uh, Bill Gates did whatever he did 25 years ago or uh, 30 years ago from a business perspective. Sure. Today is not necessarily as uh, relevant a story than... Uh, so if I see a local story that is just uh, phenomenal is really, you can see what Mukesh Ambani has done. Mm. I mean, it's just unbelievable how he's taken a traditional, as traditional as uh, petroleum, right? Yes. Business to where it is today. So, so that way, I think there are several examples. And uh, I mean, the most uh, classic example uh, uh, is uh, Steve Jobs. I mean, I read his uh, that uh, biography. I still remember, I, I'm not a very avid reader. But uh, there are a few books that I have started and then uh, finished. Okay, and that was, and that one, was of, one of them. That damn thing was 800 pages. I still remember that. 700 <laughs> pages. Okay. Um, what do you see as an or, or think of as an overrated entrepreneurial trait when people talk about you should be this, you should be that? But do you do you say? I, I think that's so so the overrated trait or, or uh, uh, thinking, I think, when it comes to entrepreneur, I think people uh, uh, people think that uh, all successful entrepreneurs had a bright idea. Mm. Okay, and it's really not about the idea. So, so I so I say that all successful businesses are bright ideas. Mm. Okay. But all bright ideas are not necessarily successful, successful business. businesses. So if you really just take, uh, take any example of uh, uh, successful, uh, what you call as uh, uh, these uh, multi-billion dollar new companies that have been created in India in the last five, 10 years, right from Flipkart to Ola to this, that, None of them was a bright idea. The bright idea happened 10 years ago when the, or 25 years ago when Amazon started in US. That was a they, bright idea. They made it the right idea. Correct. So they took an idea and executed it significantly better than anybody else. So ultimately the key is execution. Absolutely. Idea, yeah, maybe your idea is bright for a day. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That's a good one, Prakash. Uh, where do you see yourself five years from now? So, uh, 
So I have two boys. Okay. Uh, they will be 24 and 29 this year. One of them is a musician. He's a DJ. Nice. Other one is a Hollywood actor. He graduated last year from NYU. So I tell people I have a musician and actor. So the dad has to be producer and financer for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so five years from now, I'll be doing exactly the same thing or maybe a different version of this. That sounds good, as good as anything else. You seem to be enjoying what you're doing. So why not? My, my last question, uh, and I feel like when we spoke off the camera, you did mention this, but for this conversation, I'm going to ask you that question again. What does Prakash do when he's not running his business? What is downtime for you? So, uh, so nothing, uh, nothing specific. So like during the lockdown, we all had a lot of downtime. Yes. I mean, before the lockdown, just to put this in context, I used to spend three days, three days a week in Delhi. So every week I was either, uh, I mean, I was traveling. So within a span of two days, I was either I, I was uh, taking a flight or landing from somewhere. So, so the downtime, I, uh, I really binged on Netflix. <laughs> and I found some of these uh, series. Once you get hooked on to them, they are fairly relaxing. So you end up going there and you know watch them. Other than that, usual stuff. I mean, spend time with family. Everybody is busy. Good. Talk to people on phone. Nothing really specific. Last quick question to end this really interesting conversation. Having realized that you can get a lot of work done without traveling so much during COVID, do you think that's going to change when, when we get back to a kind of normal life? Do you think you're going to travel less but maximum uh, maximize working from home and using online conversations or you will sorry so for me i don't work from home you don't i don't i've been coming to office every day since may 3rd in fact even before uh, during the lockdown i got myself some essential service pass or something so that i could just come to office sure i i just cannot work from home i don't have a home office i don't carry a laptop I, I think my question more to you was, uh, do you think the travel bit is, is as essential or you think perhaps not now that you haven't traveled in seven years? Seven. So it all depends on bus the business you're in. Sure. Right? I mean, clearly uh, tech guys can sit and do whatever. Yeah. But in my business, for my business, I have to get out there and meet people. So I hope you're back out there, meet people. Thank you so much, Prakash. I found this conversation super interesting. I'm going to re-listen to make notes on what else I've learned. Stay well, stay healthy, and thank you again. Thank you so much.